Welcome to our Deep Rooted Podcast, a weekly podcast featuring our latest live Bible study, as well as other encouraging messages and teachings from our hearts to yours. Wasn't worship just awesome, though, just singing about the goodness of God and singing about how great God is? And you guys can be seated, by the way. (laughs) But it's always so important to, to start off your day, to start off your week with praise, with praise and worship, because there's something about praise, which we're going to get into today, um, that strengthens us. There's something about glorifying God that strengthens us whenever we're going through things. So uh, we're going to be talking about living a victorious life. And uh, many of you have probably heard that life is a roller coaster. That life, you, you have to experience these extremely high highs and these extremely low lows. As long as you're living, you're gonna, your life is going to be a roller coaster. You're going to have these awesome experiences. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's going to be these, these moments that just bring you down and they crumble you. And that's what we've been taught most of our lives. That's what I've been taught most of my life. Um, and just throughout just people saying things and um, what other books have to say about life and stuff. But I want to share a message with you guys today that you don't have to experience a roller coaster life. That you can actually live a life that is consistent, a life that is steady, a life that is protected by the grace of God. And so we're going to be talking about the living a victorious life. So me and my fiance, we actually have a ministry called Deep Rooted Ministries, and uh, we have a, it's a Bible study every Monday night that we host at our house, um, and we just get together with some people. We talk about the Word, we talk about what God's doing in our lives, and it's such an awesome time, and it's it's a it's an amazing ministry that God's called us to do. And one of the scriptures that is founded on the ministry um, is Jeremiah seventeen eight. And it says, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So how does that, that sounds like a life that's pretty constant, right? That sounds like a life that's not up and down. It sees dry seasons, but it doesn't yield from, or it doesn't cease from yielding fruit. It always bears fruit throughout any season. That's, that's what we're looking for. That's a life that we're looking for. And that's the life that Jesus actually calls us to live. He says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and life more abundant. So there's nothing about low valleys, high highs. There's nothing about that that um, Jesus refers to. So that's the scripture that started it, and, and that's why we named it Deep Rooted Ministries, so that we could stay deeply rooted into the Word of God, because this is your key. This is the ticket to staying full, to having this full life of God. Um, we've been given the fullness of God, the full of the Godhead. We're given that. We have the same spirit as Jesus in us. So, of course, we have this, we're, we're, a, we're able to have this life that is full, that is abundant, and that's steady. But a lot of times we don't experience that. So the question is, how, how do you live a life that never ceases from yielding fruit? How do we do that? And so um, I was just talking to uh, um, my fiance, and we're, we're going over these scriptures and uh, just about this message. And one of the verses that I came across was Psalms 1611, where it says, Thou will show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
So we have this fullness. We have this fullness that is given to us from God. So if you have your Bibles with us today, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. We're going to be staying in this passage for the majority of the scripture. We'll be back and forth between other scriptures. Um, I'm a scripture junkie. Amen. So I love scriptures more than anything else. So it might get a little overwhelming sometimes, but just bear with me. <laughs> I promise you're in for a good treat. So Romans 1.21, go ahead and turn there. If you're there, say I got it. If you're there, if you're not there, hurry up. <laughs> so Romans 1.21, so Paul's writing this letter to the Romans. And basically he's explaining to the Romans that, hey, no one has ever been without an excuse of not experiencing God. Uh, basically everyone that has ever lived on the earth at any given point of their life has experienced God. And he says that uh, from Romans 1, 16, all the way down to 21, um, he's talking about how they experienced him. It says that God has made his mysteries known to every man through the creation of the world. So no one is without excuse of not experiencing God. And you might be thinking, well, what about atheists and agnostics and these people who don't believe in God, third world countries that have never, ever experienced God in their life? How, how can you say that they've experienced God? Well, the scriptures say that, um, that they are shown to man so they are without excuse, that God is shown to them. So whether you believe it or not, the Bible says that God has shown himself to every man, whether they want to believe it or not. And everyone in themselves has this desire to worship something. Everyone, there's, there's something inside of you that, always, that has this desire to want to worship something. And people over in third world countries who haven't heard necessarily Jesus Christ and God, they worship something. They worship the sun. They worship um, a false god, uh, a bunch of idols. I know in India, they worship a bunch of gods and they don't try to exclude any of them just in case that they, they're wrong and they die. So there's, there's a something in us that's always looking for, for God, for this bigger thing that, that's in the universe, that, that's created everything. And so that's what Romans is saying here, that Paul is saying to the Romans is that Everyone has experienced God. And then when he gets down to uh, verse 21, he lists some things that they do that they've experienced God. And then they do these things and they become deadened to the voice of God. And that's where you see people not believing in God anymore and not um, following the word and, and falling off, as you will, backsliding or whatever. So he goes into these lists of, of things that they've d done. And so we're going to start here in Romans 1.21. And it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Their foolish heart was darkened. So Paul lists these four things and basically what he's saying is these people did these four things and they became dead to God. So naturally, if you look at these scriptures and you say, okay, what did they do to become dead? Let's reverse them so we can become full of God. So we can experience this fullness of God. We can live this victorious life. So the first one that I want to look at is the first thing that Paul mentions. And it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. <clears throat> so the first thing, obviously, is to glorify God. How do we stay full of God? We glorify him. We, we, we magnify him. Actually, the word glorify um, 
it's, I looked up the Greek language and, it's, and it means uh, doxazo. So it, that's the Greek word for glorify and, and it means to render or esteem glorious. So the, it kind of defined glorify with glorious, which doesn't really help anything because you don't even know what the word means. So you look at the other word, it says to render or esteem Glorious. And I looked up that word and it says to set high value on. So regarding highly or prize accordingly. So basically you're setting, you're putting something on a pedestal. You're putting something of high value. You're putting a worth on something that you love. And so when you glorify God, you're esteeming God. Uh, and, and later in the book of Romans, Paul actually, he's talking to the Romans again. And then he says these words. He says, I magnify mine own office. And so when he says that, the word magnify is the exact same Greek word, doxizo, as glorify. So when you're glorifying God, when you're esteeming God, you're magnifying God. And there's an opposite to it. It's like a seesaw effect. When you glorify God, he goes way up here and all of your problems, they have to come down if you're, if you're working on that seesaw effect. But the opposite can happen if you focus on your problems, if you focus on what's taking you down, on what's, uh, what people are saying about you, the critics, all these things, then you start to magnify your problem. You start to esteem your problem over God and suddenly God starts to come down here and you don't really value him anymore and you value what people are saying. And that's the first step that Paul's talking about. They glorified him not. They, they disesteemed him. They didn't magnify God. And so the opposite of esteeming something is disesteeming. So when you don't esteem something, when you, when you choose not to esteem God and you choose to esteem your problems, you're disesteeming God in the other way. If you're esteeming God, you're disesteeming your problems. And so if you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we'll go ahead and look at what they had to say here. I love the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11 is one of my favorite chapters. It's like the Hall of Fame Faith Club. It's so cool. Abraham's in it. We'll be, we'll be going in there uh, in a few minutes. But uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So if you look at this scripture, it's saying that Jesus, he despised the shame. He despised the cross. He despised all of these things. And he, he was motivated by the joy that was set before him. And I looked this up, and this is another teaching that um, I won't be going in right now. But the joy that was set before him was actually the relationship between you and I. Joy is something to look forward to. It's not something that's tangibly there. It's something to look forward to. And Jesus looked forward to the joy that was set before him, which was relationship relationship between you and me after he would endure the cross. So it says that he despised the shame. And despise simply means to think against, and it's a synonym to disesteemed. So in other words, Jesus, he magnified the joy and he disesteemed the problem. 
He magnified our relationship and disesteemed the problem. He set the example of what we're supposed to do as Christians if we want to live a life that is full and if we want to live a life that is steady. You disesteem the problem and you esteem God. So that's the first point today is you need to glorify God over your problem. So you need to get to the point where you magnify God and you magnify the value of what the word of God has to say over anything else. You can't, you can't sit there and you can't value what the doctor has to say if you're going through something, if you're sick or if your loved one's sick. If you value what the doctor has to say, you disesteem what God has to say, what the word of God says. The word of God says, by his stripes I am healed. Uh, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. I have the fullness of God. So if you don't esteem those words, you're disesteeming it. And you're going to esteem, you're going to value and magnify your problem. So uh, Jesus, he even, he even went into this example and he went to a very, very extreme uh, relative example of this where in Matthew 10, 37, he even says that if you don't hate your father and mother for my sake, if you, if you cannot hate them over me, if you can't love me over them, you can't be my follower. Now, obviously he wasn't saying you need to hate your parents, you need to hate your family, you need to hate this, but he was giving a relative example that if you need to get to the point where you value God, you value what Jesus has to say over anything in life, your family, your friends, your job, anything. So uh, Moses, he even uh, displayed this example. In Hebrews 11, it says, by Moses, by faith, uh, when he comes to the years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So Moses he did the same exact thing that we're talking about. He esteemed the riches in Christ and he disesteemed the pleasures of sin that was offered to him as being a son and a, a son of Pharaoh and his mother. So he chose that affliction over the riches. So Moses, he even had to esteem God's plan over his, his own wife at one point. In Exodus, he, it even goes into it, and uh, his, his wife, she, she wasn't on board for what Moses was going to do, and she actually takes her kids and goes back to her father's house. And Moses, he could have sat there and he could have said, you know what, uh, my wife's not on board with this God. I'm not going to do it. I don't think this is the right thing. I need to make her happy over anything else. And None of the things that Moses did would have happened. They would have never seen the plagues. They would have never crossed the Red Sea. They would have never done any of the things that they set out to do because Moses esteemed God's plan over everything else. Now later, they got reconciled and uh, they made up and everything. So you can read that in Exodus. But the point was Moses, he chose to esteem God over his family. In 1 Samuel 17, uh, David, you see this ex the same exact thing take place with David when he fought, fights Goliath. When, when he gets there, he gets to the battlefield and his brothers are they're disesteeming him. They're saying, what are you doing? Where are all the sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? And he says, well, and if you actually read it, his dad actually told him to go out to the battlefield to go with his brothers to give them food and to help them out with whatever they needed. And so the sheep were taken care of, but the brothers, they didn't know that. So they automatically disesteemed David for going out there with him. 
But David, when he was about to fight Goliath, he stood in front of Goliath and he said, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine, to come against us? And if you don't know what this means, if that just sounds weird to you, um, it basically... Back in the Old Testament, all those days, if you weren't circumcised, you weren't a child of God. And when you were a child of God, you would become circumcised to resemble that you're God's child. So what David was literally doing is he was telling Goliath, hey, you uncircumcised Philistine, hey, you who, have, who don't have God on your side, there's nothing you can do to defeat me. Nothing. And Goliath, basically, David, he disesteemed Goliath by telling him, you don't have God on your side, I do. And he valued what God uh, has done in his life. He's slain the bear, he's slain the lion, he uh, raised all those sheep, he did all these things, and he, he esteemed God, he valued God. Um, another example is, is an act with Paul and Silas. They were in the jail. They got thrown in jail after God sending them to Macedonia uh, through a vision, a supernatural vision. And they go to Macedonia and they get thrown in jail within days of being there. And the, the one thing that they did is they praised God when they were in jail. They praised him. They thanked him. It says that when they, when they praised him, an earthquake shook the prison. It broke, the, broke open the gates and broke their chains, and they were free. And they didn't just run straight out because they didn't praise God just to get out of something. They praised God because they wanted to praise God. And praising God, it, it strengthens yourself against the enemy, it's so powerful. It's, it's something that when you glorify God, when you magnify God, you, you strengthen yourself. In Matthew chapter 21, uh, Jesus, he, he was talking to um, all these people and he said, uh, Haven't you heard out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise? And he was quoting this. This is, this is a cool, a great thing. He was quoting this from Psalm, from the book of Psalm. And in the book of Psalms, he says the exact same thing. It says, Have you, uh, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, it says this, Thou hast ordained strength. Jesus quoted the exact verse, but changed ordained strength to perfected praise. Meaning, that it's not that he misquoted scripture. It means that he was translating what, the, what David wrote in the Psalms. And he said that when you praise God, you are strengthening yourself. You are getting stronger when you praise God. When you esteem, when you value what God has to say. What the word of God has to say. So the first part of being living a victorious life and, and keeping this consistent life. And, and not letting problems get to you is, is glorifying God. And the second is being thankful. And that brings us to the, to the next verse that uh, Paul mentioned. He says that they were never thankful. Or neither were they thankful. And they weren't thankful. They, they didn't glorify God and they weren't thankful. And these things are progressive. These things are all together. They, you can't do one without the other. You can't glorify God without being thankful. If you glorify God, what are you doing? You're saying, Lord, God, thank you for everything you've done in my life. God, I praise you. You're awesome. You're an awesome God. Thank you for all the blessings that you've done in my life. And that is, that is what you're doing when you're glorifying God. You're thanking him. You're remembering all these things that he's done in your life. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Rooted Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more from Matthew and Stephanie, subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at deeprootedministries.com. From there, you will be able to contact us directly, access our live Bible study archives, and so much more. 
can also find out how to partner with us in sharing the gospel all across the world. Be blessed today, continue living in the victory, and remember that you are always welcome here in our family of faith.